I will declare my choice to the nations. I will shout for joy to the congregation. I will worship God, worship God all my days. Those who love the Lord are satisfied. Those who trust in Him are justified. I will serve my God, serve my God all my days when the nations crumble oh the word of the lord will stand kings may rise and fall but his love will endure the strong may stumble oh the joy of the lord is strength my soul, I will not be shaken, I will not be moved, I will not be shaken. I will declare my choice to nations. I will shout for joy to the congregation. I will worship God, worship God all my days. Those who love the Lord are satisfied. Those who trust in Him are justified. I will serve my God, serve my God all my days. crumble. Oh, the word of the Lord will stand, kings may rise and fall, but his love will endure, though the strong may stumble. Oh, the joy of the Lord is strength to my soul. I will not be shaken. Good morning, and I'd like you to invite you to join us for our McGregor EMC service for June 14th, 2020. This morning's call to worship comes from Galatians 2:20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in the earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for each one uh, joining us this morning. Lord, I, I pray that you just bless them today. Lord, I pray that you would meet their needs. Lord, I pray that you would heal their wounds and that you would, um, that you would soothe their aches and the anxiety and, and the, 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 the pain that we feel, Lord, uh, being disconnected. And I just ask that you would just give us strength to work through it and to follow through with with what we're being asked to do, Lord. And as we look to a meeting together, that um, we would 
look forward to it, encourage each other, and, and uh, uplift each other in prayer. I pray these things in your name. Amen.
Glory to the Lord on high. 
beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. You are holy, holy. Lord of heaven and earth. Lord of heaven and earth. Early in the morning, I will celebrate the light. When I stumble into darkness, I will call your name by Let's bow now in a word of prayer. Our God, we come before you this morning again in awe of your greatness. Lord, all around us we can see your action. All around us we can see your hand. And it fills us with hope. God, this morning we want to pray first and foremost for the most recent news that we've heard from the Manitoba government regarding the opening of the province. As a part of that, there will be gatherings of up to 50 people indoors and 100 outdoors, which means that it's finally possible to see us all getting together again. Our God, we thank you so much for that. We thank you so much that it has been such a long time since the disease has really had a firm hold in the province. We thank you so much that of all of the places in the world that have managed to get by its ravages relatively unscathed, that we have been one of them and we have seen you and we have thanked you and we, we bless your name for seeing you in that. 
But God, we also want to pray now as we move into this new time that there will not be complacency, that the disease will not come back, that we will not have to go back to the lockdown again. To that end, we pray for wisdom for our leaders as they go about setting out rules and guidelines to make sure that is the situation. We pray for wisdom for our businesses as they come to figure out how it is that they can best serve everybody in this new guidelines as well. And we pray for wisdom for each and every one of us that we will keep our heads about us, and that from here on out, it will just be a matter of time before we forget in a good way what COVID is altogether. And God, in line with that, we want to pray specifically for your churches here in town, for all of the churches that are now having the conversation of what this new news means as far as when things can be opened up fully again. God, we pray that you will be in those boardroom conversations. Lord, we pray that your guidance will be there so that we can once again see each other, but in a way that we know is safe and that a way that we know won't be just going away again. Lord, we are so excited, so we pray that we will latch on to you now. And God, also, we want to pray in our community for all of our high schoolers, as now they're going into the last week of classes in whatever format those classes are taking. Lord, we pray you will be with them. Lord, we pray you will be with them in whatever tests they have to write, in whatever format that that is taking. Lord, we pray for whatever exams there may be as well. God, this is a time of year where either the anxiety gets ratcheted up or also just looking to the summer with anticipation clouds our minds. But we pray that they know that they are loved. We pray that they know that they are supported. And God, we pray that they are just going to knock it out of the park. And in line with that, we pray for our graduates, as we are so very close to the day that they are going to walk. God, we pray once again that they know how proud of them that we are. They pray that they know that we aren't going to forget them when they go whichever way it is that the world will take them, and that we are praying for them and for the life that they will come to live. Lord, again, we are in awe of you. Again, we love you and have hope for our future because of you. We pray for everything that you are doing. Amen. The scripture this morning is Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 to 8. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. I met a man once, a long while back, while I was still in seminary at Providence. I won't say his name because he was from Myanmar and the government there is a bit cagey when it comes to things that sound even slightly critical of their decisions, but Suffice to say, in his eyes, I remember clearly that you could feel pain. He is in his 50s, soft-spoken, as I recall. I didn't know him terribly well. After all, we'd only had a handful of conversations at the most. I nevertheless don't remember him being the kind of person to jump into conversations with his own thoughts. This was often the case for many people for whom English was a distantly second language. But if you asked him for his opinion, he would tell you. And if you got him going, he would go until his mind just far outpaced his words. I I couldn't understand most of what he was saying then, but you got the feeling like for him to care like that, what he was saying had to have been profound. When we come to today's passage, all of us believers who read it, we come at it with vastly different pictures in our minds. We've all fallen victim to sin and his ravages over the course of our lives after all, but each in our own way. And so we all know on some level just what a blessing it is that we are justified by faith, that we find peace with God. But depending on what it is that comes to our minds when we think of what we are being justified from, it it changes how Paul's words sound to us, even if they mean the same thing to everyone. For me, I have been saved from overwhelming self-absorption. For you, possibly, you are a slave to addiction of another sort. For each of us who read this passage, we have our own thoughts of our own things that even though we deal with that, God has nevertheless justified us, saved us from it. Not that necessarily for each of us we have moved past struggling with those things, but instead by the grace of God, in spite of them, our Lord has offered to struggle with us through them as well. And this man I met, like all of us, had something God was struggling with him through every day of his life as well. In seminary, we had chapel that held services every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The way the class schedules were set up, those were the days that most people were on campus. So these chapel services became a great time to get together. While the speakers were often faculty or staff, pastors or people in missions, they were also often alumni. 
I myself have spoken in that chapel service a couple of times. And on one occasion, this man, who was also an alumni of the Providence, did so as well. He gave a testimony. We read Paul at the beginning of today's passage. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This man's testimony began when he was young, likely not much older than our graduating students are. His, his father, he said, was a teacher at the local school. Growing up in Myanmar, it was far from idealistic by how we would think of our childhoods. There was unrest from the time when he was a kid, but when you're that young, you don't really pay attention to that kind of thing too much. But as he grew older, that unrest became a more and more prominent part of his life. The country was split down religious lines, you see, and the two sides, while at first tolerating each other, every day seemed to move closer to that toleration folding in on itself. And it was about this point in his telling of the story, only a few minutes in, that I first noticed the man going strangely silent. You would pardon someone just walking into the room for thinking that something was wrong, because as those of us listening were about to find out, there was. But after a few moments, he started to talk again, but now, now there was a catch in his throat. He said he remembered the day that it happened well. The peace based on toleration had come to an end a few nights before it happened, but, but the day the war met him, he, he recounted it for us with terrifying detail, even though it had been decades earlier when it had happened. His neighbors, he said, were the first, and then his father and his mother were who the soldiers came for after that. And while it had been years, and my memory isn't what it used to be, I recall him describing how his siblings were the next to be lined up and shot. It was the same young soldier who murdered all his family. They each were terrified, but this young man was only just working his way down the line. By the time the soldiers arrived at him, and here I can remember that there was coldness in his voice as he told us this, he said the details of the soldier's face were in those moments etched into his mind. It was like a tattoo. There, there every moment, never fading all his life. I know a number of healthcare workers, and I have talked to them enough to know that to be shot with a rifle, then to black out but not die, only to wake up hours later in a mass grave, that, that should not be possible. But the look on the man's face as he spoke, there was no doubting 
that had happened to him. I remember how he talked about it. It changed as he spoke. By the end of his testimony, he thought of what had happened to him that day as a miracle that he survived. But when it, he was talking about it from when it happened, he, he was instead sold that it was just sheer force of will that got him through it. Sheer force of will that made him get up and made him inch to a family friend's house miles away. And as he described what had happened, you got the feeling that at that point in his mind, he thought of himself as reborn, birthed out of that grave with a purpose to find that soldier who took everything from him, who took his neighbors and his family, and to take everything from him because of it. In our passage today, Paul continues on. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I gather it took a long while to recover from his wounds. My retelling for you now, you see, it requires a bit of spotty memory on my end and a bit of guesswork because by this part in the story, the man's English, it was phasing in and out of understanding for me rather frequently. I remember being kind of frustrated at the time, but in hindsight, given what he was actually saying, it would be really weird if it didn't. A while after he had recovered, he said, he, he started on his pursuit. It took a while, but he found the battalion the soldier was a part of. He even narrowed it down farther than that, but when it came to finally tracking down the man who had taken so much from him, for a long time it was nothing, but close calls that always came up short. But along the way, he did say he found friends. As I mentioned before, the Civil War began because of a split in the population down religious lines, and where the man was from, Jesus was not a foreign concept. Neither were pastors or even churches, though they were, at this point, all in deep hiding. But somehow, even in hiding, the man found them, and they became his new home. People who lived through an atrocity like he did and because of that could struggle with him in turn. And in time with them, he came to learn about Jesus more fully, his ministry and the cross and resurrection. From my time in seminary spent with fellow believers from around the world, I, I can tell you that people from all cultures, when they see Jesus for the first time, they picture him as one of their own, and that impacts how they understand the intricacies of what our Lord teaches greatly. So imagine that you were in this man's shoes. 
having witnessed your family and neighbors systematically killed by fellow countrymen, to which you swear vengeance for that injustice. And then, and then you're told of Jesus, who was betrayed and put to death by his own people. And then while hanging on the cross, even though he could call down the wrath of heaven at any time, he instead asks for forgiveness for his tormentors, for they do not know what they are doing. As the man spoke to us in chapel that day and came to this part of his testimony, his voice grew quiet, but then suddenly it became quite loud when he told us that Jesus changed him. He dedicated himself to learning more about Christ, and he learned all that he could. He was insatiable. And then in time when the war ended and things went back to a semblance of peace, he even managed to leave the country, to which he came to Canada to go to seminary in Manitoba, of all places, to become a pastor himself. A number of things struck me about how the man told his story, but one of the most interesting was that as he went on, not once did he say that by growing in God did his anger or his pain leave him, really far from it. His mind would keep coming back to what happened constantly, and he would wonder if he was right to leave, never having gotten his vengeance for his family. In today's passage, it is said, in Christ there is peace with God. And while that is true, for most of us, I think we picture that peace all wrong. We think of it as a line in the sand where from that point on, things are fine because we have Jesus and we are justified. And in a way, I suppose that's true, but you don't stop being who you were before you came to know Christ. That baggage from before is still there. But that peace with God, it finds you all the same. It has found you because while before the things in your life that were keeping you down and were also keeping you from turning to God, once you accept what Christ has done for you, even though you may very well still suffer in those same ways, now, now you can see God is there in your suffering too. He's struggling alongside you. He's helping. He's holding your hand. And you realize that his church is there as well to do the same. There's peace in that. You never get through some things. But God, the man said, he knew was with them. And his new friends in the church were too. And the years went by, and the struggles with anger and this feeling of betraying his family went on as well. But because God was with him through each bout of that doubt, he knew more readily with each passing day that God was going to be with him in his struggles in the future too. There is peace with God in that as well.
After a few years, the man said he graduated seminary and then he had the opportunity to go back to Myanmar to become a pastor to his people himself. His story was not an uncommon one following the war, he said, so it, it was helpful for the people of his home to hear it. It was, it was healing for them. It was cathartic. But then one day, as if by cruel chance, he, he found himself preaching in a town that had a man with a description awfully familiar to the soldier who had killed his family. When he told us this, he choked up a bit. And then he flared up a bit too. He said he struggled with it for a long time while he was there. Because if he went, even after all these years between him and that terrible day, even after years spent with God struggling with that pain, he did not know what he would do if he saw that soldier again. But finally, his need for justice got the better of him. And he went alone. It took only a glance, even though at this point it had been over a decade. Only a glimpse to know that the man was, was the soldier from those years ago. This was who killed his neighbors, his mother and his father, his siblings, who then shot him and left him for dead on top of their bodies in a mass grave as well. As the man described what happened, you could feel the raw emotion in his voice still after all these years. You could hear it as well as his English began to phase into Burmese again. But you gathered that when he stood at the soldier's door and announced who he was and where he was from and why he was there, he honestly did not know what would happen next. He said the color left the soldier's face. Well, I don't know if it's so for people from Myanmar, for a number of other cultures in that same region saying that phrase, it means death is upon you. And in that moment, as I sat in the chapel, literally on the edge of my seat, my hands were on my face. I honestly did not know which thing was about to happen. This former soldier with a reaction like that, beyond a doubt, thought he was going to die. And in that moment, I doubt even the man telling the story knew which way things were going to turn out himself. He said it would have been easy to do. The years had not been kind to the soldier. He was frail. And everyone on both sides of the conflict, even after all those years, they would have, they would have understood fully. And his telling, it was at this moment when he paused again to gather himself. And a second ticked by, and then two. Three seconds, four. I swear it was not until ten that the man in his voice shaking, tears rolling down his cheek, recounted 
how he embraced the soldier and said, I forgive you. The pain was still in his eyes when he told us this. But even in his telling, with those words, you could feel the anger faded somewhat. God would help him struggle with this, likely all his life. But in that moment, you could tell from his voice that on that day, he had gotten the vengeance he needed instead of the vengeance he always thought he would have. Apparently the two talked for a while. Apparently also by the man's choosing, that was not even the last time they had met. And to this day, he is still a pastor in Myanmar, helping people who went through atrocities the same as he did. In Christ's love, Paul tells us there is hope. Hope for what is to come. In Christ's love, there is peace from what has come before. For both of these things, I am sure it is in large part because in accepting Christ's love, there is found a God and his people who will struggle with us through it all. King of kings. 
mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power, breath and living water, such a marvelous Our benediction today comes from Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Go now and serve our Lord.